0: Thanks for joining us for Life Community Church. Good morning to you guys in in person and online and in the parking lot. I can. We heard a horn honk just a bit ago. Oh, there we go. Okay, there we go. There we go. It brings me great joy. All right, I'm going to turn this off. Okay, so we have um, been in this series. Well, this is week two of this series called Teach Us to Pray, where um, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, uh, where he teaches his disciples to pray. Um, And so we're orienting ourselves around this prayer and what we have to glean from it. Um, If you want to, jump on our Facebook page. Uh, You can turn your... uh, video volume all the way down, and you can comment and interact with our whole group that way, and it's a lot of fun. So one of my questions for you this morning, when we're thinking about prayer, is what do you think keeps us from praying? And you can, if you're on our Facebook page, you can interact, you can put your comments in there. What do you think keeps us from praying? What do you think keeps us from a regular habit of prayer in our life? A regular practice of prayer? Um, You know, some people do have a gift of prayer. It's called the gift of intercession, right? So some people have a lot of joy in praying on behalf of other people, on behalf of circumstances, things going on in the world, they can sustain a longer practice of prayer, and we we just bless people that have that gift of prayer because we need them in the church body, right? But not all of us feel that that great draw towards prayer. Sometimes we have kind of an up and down relationship with prayer, um, where you know we might desire to pray and we get in rhythms of praying, but then we might have days, weeks, or seasons where we like just neglect it altogether. Um, or we don't always find ourselves praying as often maybe as we would like to pray. Um, so yeah, someone said fear of not knowing if you're doing it right. I think that's We feel that. We feel like our prayers have to sound a certain way or have a certain quality to them. Um, We have to have this knowledge of how to do it. Sometimes it's just busyness, distraction, right? Where, um, you know, we define prayer as a conversation with God, but I find it that you have to be intentional about that conversation because you don't see God face to face. And I have four people in my immediate family, and I'm telling you, I'm bombarded with conversation with them all day long, right? And if I don't, I can get to the end of a a busy, hectic day and forget about the conversation with my Father in Heaven. Um, I set phone reminders, I set alarms on my phone so that it interrupts me Um, in the middle of my day and that prompts me uh, because a lot of times that distraction gets in the way or when we are distracted we don't like that sense of discontentment so we get out our phones and we're on TV we're doing all the things to kind of um, minimize that feeling of discontentment when we have those moments of empty space in our life Um, so Last week, Dan talked about um, this passage, the Lord's Prayer, and right before it, we see that the disciples are in proximity to Jesus, uh, and they can overhear Jesus' prayer with his Father. And something that they heard and witnessed, it, it struck something in them. And they wanted a taste of what they saw that Jesus had with um, his father. So they asked him, Jesus, teach us to pray. And it's in Luke 11, 1 through 2, it says this. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Um and so we also talked last week Dan was like okay so what do you think characterized Jesus's prayer life that the disciples took notice of you know that they were they were intrigued by and we said things like you know intimacy and connection and peace and I think I think all those things are true Um but I've been struck by that, and I've been chewing on it all week, because it's fascinating to, to not just read scripture, but to kind of give yourself the freedom to just kind of imagine the scene a little bit and put yourself in there. And so I'm thinking, what did the disciples notice about Jesus? Um, and I think they they saw some kind of relationship, really. They witnessed a relationship. And then the prayer that Jesus gives us is kind of this window into that relationship that Jesus had with his Father that now he's inviting us into. So this prayer starts in Matthew 6, 9. And it says, therefore, this is what Jesus says as he's teaching them to pray. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven. And we're going to stop right there. Our Father in heaven. That's the phrase we're going to talk about this morning. Our Father in heaven. Now, some traditions call the Lord's Prayer the Our Father. Specifically, um, this is how it opens. And we're just going to look at this phrase and what it means for Jesus to address his heavenly Father and for us to also say Our Father in heaven. And I've been really thinking about um that god had pleasure for his son there was a there was a relationship of just delight and pleasure god had so much pleasure in his earthly son and you know i mean i feel that way as a parent i have so much delight and joy and pleasure in my three girls most of the time right Every now and then, I I can feel a little crazy, but um, there's, there's just deep pleasure in my heart. And there must have been a pleasure on Jesus that the, the disciples really witnessed. You know, they had seen that he had power. They had seen him. Uh, perform miracles up until this point, right? They saw the feeding of the 5,000. They witnessed um, him calming the storms. So they knew that he could be a peaceful presence. They knew he could be a powerful presence. They knew those things about, about Jesus already. But what did they witness in prayer? I think it was this, this deep, pleasurable relationship between the Father and the Son, a communion, a quality of relationship. And so I've just been meditating on what that must have been like for them to see. Um, I, I had a roommate in college who was from Panama and we're still dear friends to this day. Um, but she came to study abroad uh, at this Christian college that I went to where I also met Dan, my husband. Um, and she would occasionally call home like everyone would and she'd call her mom and dad. She also had two other sisters um, that were sometimes on the phone. And anytime she called home, I wasn't quite prepared for what would transpire. Um, so we're in this small little room, two bunk beds. You know, it's a cozy little dorm room. And when she would call home, the, the volume level in our tiny little place would just erupt Right, she would just be so full of life, talking to um, her her family, and she would be talking in Spanish and be so fast and loud. And I, you know, if I was studying or doing anything, I would feel a little uh, caught off guard. Um, you know, sometimes she would erupt in laughter or crying or whatever it was, um, and sometimes I would just feel uncomfortable by that. And, and as I thought, why do I feel uncomfortable about this? You know. Um, And I think, you know, of course, I'm a little bit more of a reserved person. I'm not as boisterous as my sweet roommate. Um, But I think, like, there might have been some, like, I'm a little bit jealous of what she is experiencing with her family on the phone. Um, Because you could tell she came alive when she called home in a way that, like, I didn't see in any other way. That was... When she would call home, you can tell her heart was really at home. She was speaking her native language. She was with her, her family over the phone. She was communing with them. And that connection like erupted, right? And it was so obvious. Um, I don't know like if you've ever seen a relationship um, from afar or, or, or saw people that had a deep connection. And you kind of wanted a piece of that, you know? Maybe there was a part of you that was a little a little bit jealous. Um, but I imagine that when Jesus was talking to his father, his heart was at home in that communication. And it was similar to how my, my friend's heart was at home with her family. Now maybe Jesus wasn't as loud, you know, we don't know, but <laughs> they at least overheard him, right? Wherever the disciples were. Um, and sometimes we are starved of that kind of connection, right? We might have it with one or two people, but the way we live our lives, you know, social media does nothing to help fill this type of connection, this deep uh, need for intimacy inside of us. And so that's what prayer is inviting us to, the, the, the connection that our hearts really need with our Heavenly Father. So Richard Foster, he's a theologian um, that's written a few books on spiritual development. He writes this about prayer. He says, for far too long, we've been in a country, in a far country, a country of noise and hurry and crowds, a country of climb and push and shove, a country of frustration and fear and intimidation. And he welcomes us home home to serenity and peace and joy, home to friendship and fellowship and openness, home to intimacy and acceptance and affirmation. So I think prayer is this journey to the heart of the Father where we are welcomed home. And that's what it is for us. He is there Always present to you, welcoming you in. And as you say, Our Father in Heaven, you're just interacting and saying hello to the welcome that's already there for you. Um, on my birthday last year, I went to Nothing Bunt Cake. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a little, you know, bakery, delicious cakes. They give you, yeah, tell me if you've been there. Um, They give you free little cakes on your birthday. So you should sign up for their little birthday list because they're delicious. Um, And I love claiming free things for my birthday. It's like really satisfying. Um, Is anybody else like that, like to claim free things for their birthday? So let me know, since I'm newish to the area, if there's any place I should go. Um, But nothing but cake, I went there. I walked in, and as I walked into the door, um, behind the counter, someone said, Welcome in. And I kind of looked around and I kind of looked behind me, and I thought, Oh, is there somebody else like coming through the door behind me? Um, Maybe I was living under a rock, but I had not heard the phrase welcome in in a service industry before. I've worked at Starbucks. We would say things like, good morning, or welcome to Starbucks, but I hadn't heard welcome in. And it kind of caught me off guard. And now since then I've heard it a few other times. Um, But it's just this posture that you are welcome in, in this environment. And I think of that when we approach God in prayer, and we say our Father in heaven, He's already present with us, say, welcome in. Welcome into my heart. Welcome into my uh, relationship with me. He's already there welcoming us in to the embrace of the Father. Um, someone is saying, Avanti's. I should go to Avanti's for my free meal for my birthday. <laughs> Anybody else like Avanti's? Woo! All right, we have a big fan group for Avantis over here. (laughs) Um, One day, a father was walking uh, in a shopping mall with his uh, two-year-old son, and the son was just in a cranky mood, was having a really difficult time just being calm and at peace. And we've all been there uh, as parents maybe with a small little human that you can't quite control and they're losing it and you're just trying to get through. And this father had a moment of inspiration, which does occasionally happen to us as parents. Thank the Lord we can act in ways that aren't natural sometimes to how we want to. And so this father, in the moment of frustration, he decided to scoop up his son and hold him close. And he began singing to him, uh, not in rhyming words, off key, but he, he began singing about his love to him. And He said, I love you, son. I'm so glad you're my boy. You make me happy. I love the way you laugh. And he just started singing these little phrases to him. And the, the child began to relax and be still, finally. And so the dad went on shopping. And then when he finished, they went to the car, and as, as the father was buckling him in his car seat, the child lifted his head and he said, Daddy, sing it to me again. And, and that's the way our father is with us. You know, when we enter into prayer, he just gathers us in his arms and he holds us close wherever we are. Whatever grumbling and frustration and toddler-like behavior we come with, he receives us with loving, open arms. And, And then our bodies begin to relax and we can be still in his presence. And when we feel that security, then we can love him in return and worship him and rest in his arms. Now, I would say sometimes um, it, it is hard for us to picture God like this, right? Sometimes we have uh, wounds, parent wounds, and I, I think they're, they're kind of like heart splinters, you know? We gotta pluck out those heart splinters. But sometimes we project our knowledge of who God is um, onto him because from our own parents or our own earthly fathers, right? rather than knowing God for who he is, um, separate from our parents. That's just a, that's just a hard thing that we kind of have to figure out sometimes. Um, sometimes we've, some of us have had an absent dad where maybe he was physically gone or emotionally gone, but he just wasn't able to connect with us the way our hearts really needed. Um, sometimes we've had an angry father that we, we kind of always felt like we had to be on edge and our, our performance had to be just right, or we might, uh, we might be the brunt of that anger. Some of us maybe have experienced real tragedy of an abusive dad, That's that um, our hearts have had traumatic experiences. Some of us have had a good dad, an okay dad, loved us, supported us. Some have, of us have even had a father that has shown us the real father. But in any of those circumstances, we have to know who God is outside of those earthly fathers and see, okay, what are we projecting on God that's not really true about him? Because we do need healing from those father wounds, from those heart splinters, right? Because it's hard for us then to have this lens to see God clearly. But wherever we are on our journey of maybe healing from some of those father wounds, we can make the choice to see God in his own light and in his character for who he is. Because we learn about how to be good parents by looking at God. We don't learn about who God is by always looking at our parents. Because sometimes even the best fathers are, are flawed, right? So we look at who God is in his own self. And then we learn how to be good parents. Um, so let's, let's look briefly at this word in, in Matthew 6 It says, our father, right? Our father in heaven. The word father in Matthew 6, 9 would be translated um, as Abba in the Aramaic, Aramaic language, which was the everyday language spoken by Jesus. Now the Bible isn't translated in this, but it's the language that Jesus spoke. And he says, Abba, which is the Jewish word for father. And uh, little Jewish boys would be calling their dads, Abba, Abba, Abba. But also adult children would use it to call uh, their fathers. Um, So sometimes we, We've heard, I don't know if you've heard, Abba is translated as daddy, but it's not, it's like there's no English word to really capture what Abba means. It's not quite daddy because an adult child would also call their dad Abba. But it is this very honoring, endearing term that has reverence, but also warmth and connection and intimacy all wrapped up into it. And there's only three occasions where Jesus in, in Scripture, um, well, not just Jesus, but there's three occasions where the, the use of the word Abba is in the New Testament. And one of those is in Mark 14, 36. Jesus uses this again, saying Abba. That's what he's calling his Father. And this Scripture is on the, he says this on the eve of his crucifixion right as he's facing torture and death. He knows it's going to happen. And this is his prayer. Abba, Father, for you, all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Remove this suffering from me, is what he's asking. Yet, not what I want, but what you want. How can he speak to God like that when he's facing such a, a a scary circumstance. I mean, I think the only way that he can address his father with this kind of endearment, with this kind of term, is that he really trusts his father. He loves him, he knows he's secure, and he trusts him. Um, And sometimes like, okay, so we grow in the knowledge of who God is, as we learn to to look at him in his own realm of character, and then as we learn that we're loved, we move into trust and then we trust God and that leads us to this heart of God in prayer. But when we are lacking how to see God right and we're lacking how to trust him, those can really become barriers down the line. Maybe we don't pray as often as we like because we're, we don't trust God fully. We don't know how secure we are in his love. So it's good to kind of analyze these things. Um, I would, one last way that we can kind of peel back the layers to see if we're looking at God rightly is kind of these four distortions that sometimes we see God in. So I listened to this uh, podcast called Gravity Leadership and they say, you know, sometimes yes, we make God in We project God from our father wounds and our parent wounds, but we also project things on him that are just our personalities because we make God in our own image based on how we operate in the world. So sometimes we can think of God as a distant God, a distant deity where he kind of set the world in motion and he comes and helps with big things, but he's not always in the details and in the everyday and in the moment By moment, He's kind of uninvolved. Sometimes we might think of God as a demanding judge where he's kind of frustrated, always (sighs) sighing and huffing and puffing at us. You know, he's always kind of looking at our performance if we're matching up to his expectations, wanting us to obey. And sometimes we can see that in our own selves, right? How we operate. Or in kind of response to that, he might be the doting parent who is like, I will do anything to make you happy. I endorse all things, anything that you desire, you can have because I love you. And that's kind of in reaction to uh, the, the demanding judge. So he's just happy to give you whatever you want. No questions asked. He's your best friend. Or sometimes it's the helicopter parent where he's kind of overly involved in the details, right? To the point where he's kind of nervous about every one of our choices and meticulously in control of all things. All these views are false. They're not quite the way God really is with us. And we have to detach from that so we can see God as our loving Father and say, our Father in heaven, and approach that in our heart that we can approach him with confidence, that he really is lovingly present to us. We can trust him. He's actively working for our good, but he lets us also live with responsibility and our own choices. He doesn't force himself on us, but he waits for us to invite him into the details. This opening phrase, our Father in heaven, I want to say one quick thing about heaven. Sometimes we think that heaven means far away in the cosmos, like some unknown place, right? But in, did you know, in Jewish terms, the heaven means the surrounding atmosphere. So just like the air that we breathe out there. So when we're saying our Father in heaven, it is, we're saying like, Our Father, you are present to me. You are here in the atmosphere, in the heavens. God is present to us. He's not far away and distant or overly controlling. Um, So this week, uh, well, our challenge has been in this series to read this prayer daily, the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, And for me, I think what it has done, it's oriented me, right? I mean, when you read this prayer, it's like orienting you around who God is and his heart and his priorities and his provision and his simple way of living. It's a good orientation. And so that's what we're asking you to do is to to take this opportunity to use the Lord's Prayer as an orientation for your heart. So I wanted um, to read it together. Now, this might not be in the normal version if you've memorized it as a child or something. Um, so let's, if you can read it on the screen, let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So, um... Some practical tips to wrap us up. I already said the first one read it daily, look it up in different versions uh, if you would like. Use it as an anchor, you can use it as a springboard to, to continue praying. Two, make a list of things that might be holding you back from your prayer life. And then three, bring that list to God honestly. And picture him welcoming you in with open arms as you do that. And the the fourth thing would be meditate on Psalm 103 for a deeper picture of the Father. Use this in your prayer time this week, Psalm 103, and and just read it and pray and meditate on it. It's a good psalm to orient on who God is in our lives. So we are going to move into our time of worship. We have three songs, and then we will close us out in prayer. At Life Community Church, we want you to experience the powerful, life-changing love of God. To learn more, go to lifemohammed.org. lifemuhammad.org. lifemuhammad.org.